As an agency owner, you have a million and one things that you're doing on a daily basis. And a lot of them are probably not in your zone of genius. And one of those things could be money. And so we have invited on Chris, who is a CPA and owns his own agency, specializing in outsourced CFO services for agencies. So Chris specializes in accounting for marketing agencies just like you, and he's going to walk you through his process of helping agencies have more money, more cash flow, and a really strategic accounting system. So if you don't know what that is, I didn't either, and we're going to get really into those details in this episode. I know that after you listen, you will leave with some really good nuggets in terms of how to set up your agency for success. Even if you learn one thing, this is going to be super valuable. So I can't wait for you to meet Chris. He's super awesome, very knowledgeable, and I know that you're going to get lots out of it. So let's get into today's episode of the Happy Clients Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by CAM School or Client Account Management School, brought to you by Dot and Company. So a number of years ago, we put our brains together of how do we train our own team to become premium account managers? So we figured, how can we dump all of our brains into a training program that makes sense, is actionable, and that anybody can use it? So now you and your agency can actually download Cam School, get all of our learnings, tools, tips, and tricks to become premium client-facing account managers for marketing agencies. And we know that this works. Our models work. We've trained all of our own team using Cam School and now tons of different agencies as well. So head over to thecamschool.com to get access for yourself today. Welcome to the Happy Clients Podcast, brought to you by Dot and Company. Whether you're a virtual assistant, an agency owner, or a client-facing account manager, we all deal with clients. Lucky for you, client management is what we do best. Now, let's dig in that cam life and have some fun along the way. Here's the happy client. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the happy clients podcast. We're Absolutely. Thanks excited. for having me. Yeah. We're excited to talk all things money and cash flow and <laughs> profitability for agencies today. Before we jump in, maybe Chris, if you could just give our audience a little glimpse into who you are and how you created your own firm specifically for agencies, that would be wonderful. Sure, and I appreciate that. Uh, so who I am, I own and operate a CPA firm based out of Hilton Head, South Carolina. The firm name is my own name, so not terribly creative, but our tagline is Better Way CPA. And at this point, we are a firm of six people and we are scattered actually internationally. So we've got uh, one person in Georgia, we've got one in Nebraska, one in Texas, um, one in Colorado, and then we've got one in the Philippines as well. So we are literally all nice. over the place, as are our clients. Our clients go from, I think, as far north as New York, all the way out to California, down to Florida, and triangulates literally everywhere in between. So um, all over the place. Uh, started the firm as a side hustle, which I'm assuming that a lot of your listenership can mm-hmm. um, relate to. So I started the firm as a side hustle in 2011, mm-hmm. been a full-time endeavor since 2018, coming up on four years now. And uh, I've been working with agencies since 2015 and really got into the niche and it was in 2018 when my second client was an agency, my third client was an agency. And then before you know, it's just like, well, this is just where I'm going to live now. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. I love working with agencies. The folks are generally just a lot of fun to work with and we can really provide a lot of value because it's like, you know, the creative space is not generally related to the finance space. So we kind of Mm -hmm. fill that gap. 
Yeah, I really love that, Chris, because I feel like this is such a need. We're, you know, talking to a ton of agencies every day. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes this part of the business isn't always the sort of stroke of genius that they want it to be, but so necessary. So when you're talking to businesses and kind of getting those clients on board, um, what are you looking for in a client? What is the checklist when they should hire a CFO? Oh boy, there is a checklist. I won't bore you and go through the whole thing. Uh, Like, are they pleasant to work with? That's the place to start. Do they need help? Do they want help? So a lot of people, you know, will come to us and say, yeah, yeah, we need help, but um, we don't want to meet with you. And we want to kind of just put you in a corner. If we can't help them, we're just, that's not a good fit. Right. So there's that portion of it too. Do they have an open mind? So can we have that two-way dialogue? Uh, That is our expertise is all things financial. So when we provide information, can that be received and acted upon. And then the tech stack. The tech stack is very important. The banking institutions, believe it or not, are very important as well. So is a client willing to play inside of our tech stack? Because our tech stack allows us to deliver the services the way that we want to deliver them and on the cadence that we feel like we need to deliver them. So that's very important as well. But it really just starts with, is it somebody who's going to be great to work with and somebody who can benefit from our help and who really wants our help? Mm. And maybe you could just even tell us a little bit about those systems and what you're doing on the tech side. Of course, you know, you don't have to give away all your secrets, Chris, but what does that look like for agency owners and for people working with you? Yeah. So I love that question. I appreciate (laughs) you asking. Um, We are a one GL company. So what GL means is general ledger and normal non-accountant speak. What that basically means is something like a QuickBooks or a zero or a FreshBooks. So we are a one GL company and we use QuickBooks for all of our clients. The reason why we use QuickBooks is because it's the most widely adopted GL software that's out there and it's got the best ecosystem. So when we're talking about ecosystem, what we're really talking about is data connectivity, making sure that we can take data from various parts of your business and your agency and connect those in order to get further insights out of that data than what it would be as a standalone. Okay. Mm. So that's the GL side. On the payroll side, we look at Gusto. Uh, They've been a great partner for us. And one of the only, I will say, payroll companies where we haven't had issues with, knock on wood. (laughs) So Gusto is great. Google Data Studio, that's the way that we deliver financials and the way that we do our dashboards. So obviously somebody who's got access or who is willing to have access to a Google product, um, that helps. We're looking at time tracking, which is maybe, I don't know, a third to a half of our clients. Harvest would be um, best in class there. And then on the project management side, we're a little bit more agnostic than on the accounting side. So ClickUp is good. Asana is good. We're an Asana partner. Somewhere in that realm, but the most important piece for us is being able to get data out of the project management platform. So what we really look for is does it connect to uh, Zapier? Does it connect to Integramat, which is now Make? Uh, can we connect it to our ETL tool, which is an extract transform load tool, which takes that data and puts it into a database so that we can then access it from Google Data Studio to build your dashboard? That's the basic tech stack that we're looking at. Mm, cool. So when you're talking about project management software, because we <laughs> geek out over this, let's say someone's using Asana. What are some of the things that you're pulling from Asana to track when it comes to accounting? Right. So we're looking at turnaround times or we're looking at the number of open items that there are. It really, when we're looking at project management data, we're looking at capacity planning, making oh, okay. sure that, yeah, that's really what we're looking at. You know, we want to make sure that you've got the right people in the right seats and the right number of people. We want to be able to flag those problems before they actually become problems. Mm, okay, cool. And so 
I know something that you talk a lot about is having an accounting system. So is that kind of what you were just describing or like, what is an accounting system? The accounting system is going to pertain to all things financials. The general ledger is the biggest part of that. So classifying transactions and putting them into buckets so that we can then turn them into financial statements, essentially. Income statement, balance sheet, cash flow statement. Those are your basic financial statements. Having a system where you can take transaction level data and then turning it into statements. So that's the first part. The second part is going to be invoicing. Some way to collect payments from a client. Another piece is going to be AP, so a way to pay contractors, vendors, that sort of thing. And then I would also actually lump the financial institution there as well. Uh, the trend that we're seeing in the industry is moving away from a more traditional brick and mortar type of financial institution. When I say financial institution, I mean like your bank into a more tech focused uh, technology-led type of institution, which generally sit on top of banks, but will allow for data connectivity, will allow for bill pay, will allow for ways to have approval flows inside of your bill pay, will allow us to pull statements and get to the data that we need in a meaningful way. So that's really the entire ecosystem that we're looking at. Hmm. <laughs> I know for a lot of us, our brains are just like... Yeah. I was just going to say that. I was like, you're so smart, Chris. Like, you know, like you have such a great sort of, I guess, even process to it all, which is why, you know, you've been doing this for so many years. Now let's get into the juicy bits. Um, of it. course, people are coming to you with, you know, out of control finances or they're a one person show and they can't handle it all. So what are some of the mistakes or the problems that people are coming to you with for like medium-sized agencies? And how do you help them kind of turn that around and make sure that they're in the green moving forward? Um, how long is the show? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a couple of different problems that people okay. might be experiencing. <laughs> uh, so we're working with small to mid-sized agencies. A great example of a problem that a smaller agency came to us was, hey, look, we're having cash flow problems. We've been trying to kick over every rock. Um, concerned about making payroll, what do we do? And in that case, it's like, all right, cool. We well, not cool, but let's see what we, we got can do. This. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we'll do something. Uh, so we set up a meeting the next day, and we went through like almost a dozen different strategies. Like, here is what we can do to make sure that we are going to hit payroll. And because it's a short-term problem, if it's a long-term problem where this is going to be an issue every single payroll, that's a different conversation, obviously. Right. So. Like just sit down and strategize. And at that point, it's almost like a brainstorming session. Like these are the things that we can do to make sure that we hit payroll. So those are shorter term problems. Things that we hear all the time are, I don't understand what my profitability is, or I don't mm -hmm. have the ability to even get to what my profitability is because I either don't have appropriate systems. Occasionally we'll have multi-million dollar agencies and they come to us and it's the owner who's been doing the bookkeeping for the last five years. And they're not trained accountants. And that's totally cool. You tried to DIY it. That's, you know, gave it the old college try. That's cool. <laughs> but we need a more fully baked system where we know for certain that we have accurate financials. Because if we're making decisions based on financials that are inaccurate, then like, what are we doing here? That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so just understanding the PL. Uh, one of the most common problems that we see or mistakes that we see is we look at the PL, but we don't get beyond that. And what I mean is reviewing the balance sheet. The balance sheet is super, super important. You can make a strong argument that it's more important than the PL because th what I say is 
the bodies get buried on the balance sheet. If there are problems, you're going to find them on the balance sheet. At the end of the day, accounting really is just an algebra problem. So if one piece of the financials doesn't make sense, you can find the answer on the other piece, right? So if you've got a problem on the P&L because of poor accounting processes, you're going to discover it on the balance sheet probably. So not even getting past the income statement, that's one of the most common problems that we mm -hmm. see. Not reviewing or understanding the cash flow statement, that's another big one. Not forecasting, not budgeting, basically just not having a complete process and or not just having the, the experience or the skill set to be able to understand what it is that you're looking at. If I had to put it into high level buckets, that's most commonly what we see. Yeah. I like how you're, you're looking at it very analytically. And I think for most agency owners, they go into agency life because they're really creative or they're really good at certain things. And they're more of an emotional person versus you're coming at it like very analytical. Like you don't need to think of these things in a very emotional way. You need to come to me and say like, let's just look at these numbers and let's figure it out. And I think that stops a lot of people from even diving into their numbers because they get too emotional or wrapped up in it. And I like how you're just like, it's fine. It's just numbers. Let's figure it out, which I think most agencies need partners like you. Yeah. And I appreciate that. It's not the boogeyman <laughs> and it's not this like mystical process or whatever either. So where we can really help is when we sit down and we just kind of break down those barriers. Like, this is what it is. It is what it is, but this is where we're trying to get to. And here's how we go from here to there. Mm -hmm. And it's really no more complicated than that. It's just putting that financial plan in place. But in order to be able to put that plan in place, you've got to have good numbers to start with. You've got to actually know where your jumping off point is and you've got to know where your ending point is. And then we can help to fill in those gaps in the middle. Mm. Love that. So I want to talk a little bit about pricing structures for agencies, because I know this is a big one and there's like a million ways that you can obviously run an agency and charge your clients and things like that. But where do you see the difference between recurring revenue versus let's say project-based? Where do you see the differences? What do you recommend for most agencies or is it kind of a case by case basis? Mm, that's such a good question. <laughs> so let's start with what I really, really like. What I really, really like are subscription-based models that are built on value-based pricing. In other words, value that you're actually driving to the client and then charging for that and then doing it in a way that's recurring. The reason why I like that, number one, because you're now capturing the value that you're driving to the client, which is a good thing. The client gets value, you should get value too. And then it's recurring. So when we're talking about planning for cash flow, when we're talking about hiring, we're talking about forecasting profitability, just having some sort of predictability about the agency, then having that recurring model on a subscription basis is a good thing. Plus a, a true subscription basis allows you to be most helpful without worrying about things that, depending on how you structure it, of course, you know, worrying about things that are out of scope or charging for that 10th of an hour or whatever it is. And the reason being is because you know, the subscription model really puts you in alignment with the client. So the way that I kind of think about this, you've got a Netflix subscription. You can watch Apocalypse Now every single night if you really want to. I wouldn't recommend it, but you could, <laughs> right? There's a, a ton of other movies that you could watch. It should be the same thing with a subscription-based service where you will do whatever it takes to be helpful for that client. And you don't necessarily worry about um, that client being quote unquote, profitable, you're worrying about your entire portfolio of clients being profitable. Mm -hmm. So that's really what I love. 
on the ab absolute opposite end of the scale would be project-based base revenue because it's, it's very, very difficult. Number one, you don't know when it's coming in. You don't know when it's going to get paid. It makes it very difficult to predict things. When you're solely project-based, it means that you need to have higher cash reserves because you don't know when that next project is coming in because you don't know when you're necessarily going to get paid on that project. It comes with a lot of difficulty. There's less predictability about it. And then in the middle would be your fixed prices, retainer type engagements would fall somewhere in the middle there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I was thinking that too, Taylor, just like with agencies, we know they move quickly sometimes, you know, lose clients quickly or get clients quickly. So like even that turnover must be maybe exciting in the accounting world or something that you definitely have to roll with for sure. So I definitely can see your specific sort of niche as our American friends say, we say niche, but definitely a need for this niche. <laughs> And seeing how like you actually have the structure, have the tools to kind of pivot with those agencies based on that spectrum, which I think is super valuable because Taylor and I know all of our client account managers know that agencies can move quickly, probably on both sides of that spectrum for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we can live anywhere on that spectrum. It's yeah. just, you need to understand where you are and how that's going to impact the rest of your business and what you then need to plan for. Exactly. So when agencies are thriving, growing, scaling, making, you know, tons of money and are looking to grow, when does it make sense to kind of introduce a CPA, someone like yourself, Chris, or a team member? When does that make sense inside a business to kind of have those, I guess, conversations about working with someone like you? Good question. Uh, it makes sense to have a good accountant from day one. Much it's like not like you're going to say that. <laughs> yeah, day, yeah day one for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Same thing with a good lawyer too, by mm -hmm. the way, because if you get started on the wrong foot, now you're going to have to play catch up at some point in the future mm -hmm. and it's probably mm -hmm. not going to be fun. Yeah. So just having somebody to sit there with you and say, I've done this before with other people, other clients. These are the things that you need to be thinking about. Here is the roadmap. Here are the 10 things that you need to do before you even start in business and then get started on the right foot. So having a good accountant, a good attorney, day one, for sure. Now, as far as having an ongoing relationship where you have somebody who is that fractional CFO, you know, our fees are what our fees are. Trying to find accountants right now is just about impossible. Like it really? is every, oh yeah. Like yeah. COVID times or just yeah, so, these times? <laughs> yeah, so uh, the pipeline for the accounting profession has been in decline for quite some time. So that's part of it. COVID exacerbated everybody's problems. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, from a COVID perspective in a vacuum, it's had the same effect on the accounting profession that it's had on every other world. profession. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you layer on the pipeline being difficult to that, and then also like, honestly, our, our profession's pretty old. I think there was some stat out there where it's like 75% of CPA is a retirement age, you know, wow. just a function of population and baby boomers and just mm -hmm. how that has worked over the past, whatever, six or seven decades. It's just very, very difficult when you layer on things like the IRS being a dumpster in America, that's our taxing authority from a federal perspective. When you layer on that being a dumpster fire and the various state agencies being in some state of disarray, you know, across the board. And it's just really, really hard. We've got a lot of people who are just leaving the profession. Like a month ago, uh, six weeks ago at this point, I posted two jobs, same day. One was for a virtual CFO, one, one was for a tax person. 
the tax person job that is still open. I've gotten very few resumes. And in what, six weeks, I've gotten maybe 20 resumes, none of which are really truly qualified. On the CFO side, I've gotten like 120 resumes. I've already hired for that position. That person's already in that job. And half the resumes I got were tax people. So <laughs> there's a shift that I think, and this is anecdotal, but there's a shift that's happening within the profession, number one, but then number two, just the facts, circumstances, demographics, and all of that have been troubling for a while. So that all of that to say, finding accountants at this point is hard. Fees are what fees are. So it's... When we're recommending some sort of a service that's ongoing, where we're meeting on a regular cadence, when we're doing the accounting on a regular cadence, we're packaging in the advisory type services, uh, you know, where we want to be is no more than somewhere between two and 5% of revenue. So what that generally translates into for us is an agency that's north of 500,000 US in revenue per year. And our client size generally ranges from 500,000 to 5 million. So we're generally somewhere between like five and 15 people plus or minus is our typical agency size. So at that point, I think it makes sense because we can, you know, even at that point, we can do it cheaper than it would be to bring somebody on internal because like I said, accountants are expensive and they Mm -hmm. are hard to find. When you're at the point where you're eight figures and above, you probably need some sort of an in-house team because just the volume of the questions and what you're really specific needs are going to be, you're just going to need somebody who's not have a better term down the hall, right? Mm -hmm. Who you can just kind of bug all day, every day. And that's all (laughs) that they do. So at that point, it probably makes sense, but I'd be curious, like, what is it for y'all? Is it roughly the same thing? Or like, how do you guys think about that from an outsourced account management perspective? Yeah, it's very similar. Like almost from the beginning, you need an account manager, not when you don't have any clients because we need people to manage. But, you know, after you have your first few clients and you are on a growth, like you have goals to grow, then that makes sense. Because if the agency owner is strictly doing the account management, they get in their own way and it stunts their growth. Um, So similarly, right? Like as soon as you can, you need a client services team so that you can grow. Yeah. 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 And build like trust in those relationships too, right? So it's just sometimes gets too overwhelming for agency owners. I think Taylor made a great point. It can be super personal sometimes. Um, so having that sort of person that, that nurtures your clientele. So when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's still good. And you have those people kind of just, I guess, taking you along for the ride, but agency owners can often get overwhelmed. Definitely similar. And having that person dedicated from, I guess the jump, as they say, is always recommended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you're not, if you're not good at those particular things, it, it doesn't matter even what business you're in, but if you're not good at that particular role, you should be outsourcing it totally. somehow, whether it's external or internal, you know, hiring somebody else who can, who can do it better than you can. Um, and certainly finance falls in that realm quite a, quite a bit. <laughs> I think that's the huge value thing here. It's like, you might think you got it under control, but yeah, then it might come back <laughs> later and you probably don't want that. So I can see how that happens, Chris. (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Chris. This was really insightful. So where can people learn more about you, your company, your services, and maybe get themselves a virtual CFO? Yeah, absolutely. Best way is on our website, betterwaycpa.com. Amazing. Okay. We will link everything in the show notes, but thank you so much, Chris, for hopping on and giving us all your tips and tricks. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Cheers to happy clients. 